KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Anyone else out there paying a whole lot more attention to what's up in the skies these days compared to, say, a few weeks ago? Between the supposed Chinese spy balloon and the other three unidentified flying objects the U.S. shot down, I've got a lot of questions. Like, first of all, how serious is this? And do we even know what we're shooting at? We're batting, what, 25 percent? We're not even good for the major leagues yet. Knowing what to shoot down, that probably alerts me more than anything else about this capability. Dr. Mark Thomas is an assistant professor of political science at LaSalle University. He's an expert in analyzing this stuff. And here's the thing. He's not even all that concerned about the balloon incident with China. It's what it could possibly lead to that's on his mind the most. Whether we'd be more or less cooperative, I'd say we're moving towards a less cooperative relationship. I'm Matt Leon, and today on KYW News Radio In Depth, the alleged Chinese spy balloon. What does it tell us about our own security capabilities or vulnerabilities, and why is it so hard to tell friend from foe? So, to start to kind of set the table for people, what we are, are going to talk about is something that you kind of have an intimate knowledge of. This is kind of right in your wheelhouse now. Yeah, I was an assistant, a special advisor to the Secretary of the Army between about 2004 until about 2010 on how to counter problems like this. Balloons weren't a problem back then, but something else was, and this fits right into that wheelhouse, so to speak. Cyber was a problem. It was an emerging problem. Overall, when it comes to this spy balloon, just kind of give us a quick primer to this point. What do we know about this? Well, what we know about this balloon so far, it transited over the U.S. It has audio collection capability and video collection capability. So those are what we know for sure. And we know it's probably released by the PLA. I'm not sure which division of the PLA, but the PLA. So the PRC's military intelligence. And that was kind of my next question. I mean, maybe we don't have it 100% that it's from China, but at this point, is it kind of everybody's just defaulting? That's what it is, and we're operating from that for sure? I would say with a 90% certainty, 95% certainty, it is Chinese. The Chinese haven't denied it. They just said it's not a intelligence balloon, that it's a weather balloon. So that's what we're, yeah, they're not denying that it's their balloon. And real quick, PLA, what does that stand for for people who aren't familiar? The People okay. Liberations Army. And that's basically the Chinese military? The Chinese military, Okay. Right. The Chinese military. In 2023, the first thing about this that I just kind of found fascinating in a world of cyber attacks, obviously nuclear capabilities, uh, you know, we've got a lot of different ways to do things. A balloon seems very 19th century to utilize as a vehicle for whatever this thing was doing. Is this as unusual as it seems to me as a layman, or is this technology utilized on a lot of fronts? It's actually relatively common. I mean, you're right. When you say 19th century, we used it during the Civil War, World War One. You think it'd go out with satellites, but balloons actually have a capability. And we used them in Afghanistan as a static capability to kind of do static surveillance on sites that we didn't want to have something like high-tech, really high-tech deployed to them. What do balloons bring to it? One, they're low cost. They're also, in the age of lasers and anti-satellite weapons, they are not that. 
So they're immune to that. And then the other thing that they bring to it is that they can linger longer than a satellite, which means you can keep them there for a much longer period of time over the target. And the other thing which obviously we're wrestling with is that countries with high tech are having trouble identifying it, and it gives possible liability to the collector. And we're talking here about the Chinese, the Chinese satellite in particular. So that's what really brings the plot to, to the fore. It's easily mistaken, which is probably what annoys me the most about this, is I think we shot down four things over the past two weeks, of which three <laughs> weren't really dangerous. They weren't even, they were actually commercial things or experimental things. Only one was an actual Chinese military collection platform. The fact that we shot, and we, we're batting, what, 25%? I see a baseball bat in your background. I guess that means we're we're not even good for the major leagues yet in terms of identify, identifying it and knowing what to shoot down. That probably alerts me more than anything else about this capability. So basically, the balloon being a balloon, it's a feature, not a bug. The primitive nature of it is kind of what helps it because this balloon, this idea that's hundreds of years old, it's a lot easier to slip through a lot of the defense technology? It appears so. I, I think that's one of the questions that we've got to, and if I were in Congress or if I was sitting up in the president's office, this is a question I'd be asking is, do we have a capabilities gap? In other words, we don't have the right technologies. We don't have enough of the right technologies and whether we've deployed them properly. And it looks like what well, I would call that a capabilities gap. The other question is whether we even have the capability to detect it, which I think we do. The other thing is whether if we detected it, identified it, and then distinguish it from friend from foe, I'm not sure we're there. And that's a question that people like Madeline Dean, she's on foreign affairs, she's from our area, Brandon Boyle, these people up in Congress on our behalf really need to be asking the president. It may be more appropriate to be asking that in the HIPSI or the SISI than in the Foreign Affairs Committee or where Brandon Boyle sits or where Dwight Evans sits. But it really needs to be asked about whether we have the right capabilities and why can't we shoot down the right things. And the administration hasn't got their story straight yet. Either we knew about this and didn't do anything about it, and everything would indicate that we had a question about this or Congress had a question about this back in 2021 when they... Um, put into the NDAA for 2022 that we had to develop a capability to kind of recognize it or tell friend from foe. So they stood up what we would call now, it's the all domain anomaly resolution office within the Department of Defense, within the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence Surveillance. When they stood up prior to March of 2022, we had identified up to that point 510 instances of unidentifiable vehicles that were flying around the air. Since they stood up between July of 22, and I'd say December of 22, they identified 366. Now, I wouldn't worry about the vast increase between 2021 and 2022, when you ask a question, you're gonna you're gonna find more. And what they're finding was that <clears throat> most of the things that they identified or identif who identified it, one were 
identified through military aircraft doing a routine operational flight. It wasn't identified by low t- like the radars or sensors on the ground. That's concerning. Now, of the 300 and what I say, 66 that they identified, this is really disconcerting. We couldn't identify, no idea what they were, 171 of that 366. Of the other 163 were balloons. And then we have a handful, I think we positively identified 26 as unmanned vehicles, unmanned aerial vehicles, which were probably doing surveillance. Now, that doesn't mean they're balloons. Of those balloons, we, I mean, if we knew about them back in 2022, then why weren't we doing something about it? Now, the story is that we didn't know or that we didn't know what they were. They didn't transit. The administration isn't getting their story straight. They've got to get their story straight about what's going on because that would tell us where the capability gap is and if we really do have a capabilities gap. They're kind of confusing at this point or confused, and that's scary more than anything else. Was this purely just gathering information, just as far as we can tell, surveillance, audio surveillance, video surveillance, like your typical spying? Was it the equivalent of having a bug in a room as far as we can tell? Yeah, but it, I'm not sure how how important or how significant this is in terms of capabilities. And I actually want to kind of spin this in a positive light. The PLA, like any military, is doing worst case scenario planning. So they're collecting, which means that they don't know. That's a great thing that they don't know. If they weren't collecting, I'd be worried because that means they had identified, they had at least one source, if not preferably three, to con- confirm what they need to know to prepare for the worst case that something happens between us and China. The other good news story about this is it would kind of give us an insight on what are their intel gaps. So once we've gathered, picked up the FBI's analyzed what they were collecting, then we know where their intel gaps are. That's actually a really positive thing, which means they're, we know we would know what they don't know, mm-hmm. what they need to get. That's actually really positive. Um, so there are actually a lot of positives that come out of this. The fact that they're they're spying on us. That's and everybody's spying on us. That's a day that ends in Y. That's that's kind of life, right? Yeah, I mean, everybody's spying on us. And the fact that, again, we go back to what capability are they using? Does that mean their budget doesn't support a satellite program? Because to do a satellite, to do that collection, you've got to have the technology to fire it off, which they do, but then to maintain it and then to make sure it's collecting, it's expensive to run satellites. So if the best they can do is a balloon, now it's effective, apparently. I mean, we, we don't know what we're shooting down yet. I mean, we shot down one, but like I said, three, three we shot down weather balloons and commercial balloons, which were benign. I would think that there is actually, it's not that big a deal. What makes it a big deal, and this is going to sound, you know, almost anti-democratic, is why we made this public. We could just have easily, whoever leaked it out there that this was a spy balloon, why did we leak it out? Who leaked it out? And the cynical side of me says, well, maybe it was Republicans trying to get back at the Biden administration. Even once it was leaked out that there was a balloon over us, we could have just as easily said, yep, it's the Chinese says it's a weather balloon, it's a weather balloon. 
even knowing it was a surveillance balloon, and go back quietly to the Chinese. And their diplomatic channels say, look, we know what you're doing, kind of like Obama did with Putin during the 16 election, where they go back quietly so as not to disturb relations. By making it public, we have now done something which is symptomatic of the tensions between us and China. We've aggravated it because we've now made a big deal out of this. And we also kind of scuttled a diplomatic event, which was scheduled to occur. And that was the U.S. Secretary of State was supposed to travel to China, correct? Yes, Secretary Blinken was supposed to travel to China. The other option, which is also a question which the IC has to look at, is whether there is not that good command and control within China, so that their version of the National Security Council, knowing there is a diplomatic event coming up, would probably say, don't do it now. Let's wait till the diplomatic event's over. So the fact that the PLA launched it without the National Security Council knowing is more is also problematic in that they they essentially it's like a captain scuttling something a general wants to do. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look real good on on the Chinese uh, command and control. So there are a lot of questions that come out of this, which I find more interesting than the actual balloon flying over us. We need to take a break. We will have more with LaSalle University's Dr. Mark Thomas right after this. This is KYW News Radio in depth. We are back on KYW News Radio in depth, continuing our conversation with Dr. Mark Thomas, Assistant Professor of Political Science at LaSalle University. There's been a rush of things shot out of the air. You mentioned three other high profile events that the president has commented on. Is this a situation where a lot of people are looking at all of these things as, oh my goodness, all these things in the sky, we can only identify one and everything seems shady? Is it less big picture worry and more, well, we know this thing was out there, so now we're looking for things smaller than this and we don't want to take any chances because of the attention to this Chinese spy balloon, so we're paying more attention, like... There hasn't been a rush of things in the air that we can't identify. These things have always been there. They're just there's a heightened sensitivity and more likely to shoot these things down because everybody's paying attention. Um, I that that's one way of interpreting it, Matt. But my bigger concern is they don't know what they're shooting down. Okay, and that goes back: Do we have the right technologies at the right places at the right times to identify friend from foe? Because you're using essentially a bazooka to to destroy a water gun. So why are you wasting a million-dollar missile to take out something that's not even a target? That is concerning. So I would, I would ding, and I don't want to ding people back at the Pentagon, but if the, you, you think about ripple effects, if I was the NORTHCOM commander or the NORAD commander, I've been looking out of the corner of my eye for that flashing light, that career dissipation light. So unless they've got a paper trail to cover saying, hey, we don't have the capabilities we need to to distinguish what this is, because Congress already said in 2021, we want better reporting on this. And we didn't, they didn't get it. And if they did, they better have a good paper trail. Otherwise, their career dissipation light should be flashing at high speed. Now, what's making this a big deal is the fact that we are making it a big deal. Again, we could very quietly take care of this on the side without creating the fury around this. So the bigger impact, I would think, would be on, and a more detrimental impact on Chinese-U.S. relations, 
is how much we domestically make this as a major event. So if the Republicans want to embarrass the Biden administration or Democrats want to embarrass Biden, creating foam around or fomenting the problem, which could be resolved very quietly, but also addressing the bigger concerns about the technology quietly, because that is what will send relations to a downturn. Now, there's a lot of good reason by Republicans and Democrats to want to undermine the current administration. And this is a good way to embarrass saying that he's not doing his job, and even after they've been asked. Now, so there, there are some domestic ripple effects. I don't think it's going to have a significant impact on U.S.-Chinese relations unless the domestic politics here in the U.S. create enough fervor, which we then start to really sanction China for this, which I don't see coming. Secretary Blinken over the weekend said, we want to maintain a steady relationship. In other words, we'll be competitive, but not warlike. And if I were to assess how close we are to going to war before the event and after the, after this event, I would say hmm, about a 10% shot that we would end up in a war with China because of this event. Whether we'd be more or less cooperative, I'd say we're moving towards a less cooperative relationship, but only because we've publicized the event. You talked about kind of this becoming public. And wasn't there something in the news a couple of weeks ago? Someone high up in the Air Force had put out that we will be at war with China by 2025, I think it was. And forgive me, this just popped into my head. It wasn't in my notes. But as you're talking about this, you know, you have someone high ranking in the military who basically is saying all preparation should be for war with China in a couple of years. And then that's made public. This is made public. This is made public with the curious timing of a diplomatic overture. You know, you don't want to tinfoil hat this thing, but it does seem like uh, there are signs pointing in the same direction of forces that are trying to stoke a conflict between the U.S. and China, maybe within the U.S. military. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know, but it, it, it seems like there's something, might be something there. Now, I don't, you know, I want to give the military credit. The people that dislike war the most are the military. So I would think if this came out of the DOD side, and what I read was it was a DOD leak. This could be the DOD's way or whoever, what official leaked it, their way of saying we need, we need to develop better capabilities. We need new priorities on this. We don't have the right capabilities. So to be cynical, it's a way to get more capabilities to look at how do we detect these balloons. The Arrow Office, the one I just mentioned, that All Domain Anomaly mm -hmm. Resolution Office, I don't think it came out of there, but I would I would look and think who would need to who would need more cap more money to build capabilities. I wouldn't put it past it, somebody within DoD to fleet it for that purpose, not to stoke a war, but to develop a better capability. So, how much should the average American worry about this? Like, you talk about the chances of this being a flashpoint for war, stuff like this. Is this mostly like is there is there anything to to worry about bigger picture just for the average person? I would argue no. I would think that the bigger worries that would stoke a real conflict with China it is how much they're willing to aid Russia in the war against Ukraine, and then even that, depending on the timing of it. And I would think if I were to put 
money on this, I'd put, if it looks like Ukraine could take Crimea, then China will increase its aid to Russia. But the bigger threat would be whether we stand or how what China does with the Spratly Islands and Taiwan, and Taiwan especially. In the mind of the China, uh, PRC, Taiwan's still part of China. And it's kind of how Russia views Ukraine, even more so. At least Russia has admitted that Ukraine's a separate country. They just went under its influence. For China, Taiwan is still. That is more concerning about us moving it closer to war. In fact, I was a little bit alerted when Secretary General Stoltenberg, the sec gen of NATO, called on NATO to pay, pay closer attention to China. NATO is for European defense. It's not for worldwide defense. So that that type of statement is more concerning to me about what's NATO thinking about with China, because that will stoke the Chinese. And maybe that's the purpose, is to stoke the Chinese and gather greater European solidarity to you know, sanction Chinese in case of get their involvement with Russia and the war with Ukraine. But I think this, this overflight is going to turn out to be a tempest in a teapot in the long run. And again, it's more of a symptom than it is a cause for immediate concern. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.